Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. I'm going to get right to it. Come on, someone say, get right to it. Get right to it. We're going to get right to it. Uh, we're going to go straight to uh, Judges chapter 6, verse number 1. I added a few words just so you can capture something to mean it. And my version says, again. Somebody say, again. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites, or fear. Somebody say fear. fear. And I've put that word in here. Uh, Midianite does not mean in the original Hebrew or Greek fear. I just felt like these people were afraid of this army that, that was coming against them. And when I was asking God, what does this mean? What, what is a Midianite to me? Uh, God said, I, I want you to title it fear. And so I added fear here. This is not, please do not, uh, you can write in your Bible if you want, uh, but uh, into the hands of fear. Because the power of fear was so oppressive The Israelites prepared for them shelters for themselves in mountains, clefts, caves, and strongholds. So uh, fear shows up, and and basically they start doing what anybody would do. They they do the first thing they know to do is to protect themselves. Somebody say, protect yourself. And uh, No, you can get louder than that. Come on, somebody say, "Protect protect yourself. You can get louder than that. Come on, someone say, protect yourself. And, uh, you know, th- this is what we do. Uh, we, we protect ourselves. It's normal to protect yourself. If someone hits you, it's normal to protect yourself. It's normal when fear first shows up for you or anxiety first shows up or worry first shows up to protect yourself. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, here's the problem with protecting yourself too long. Here's the problem with wearing a Band-Aid too long. I I don't know if this ever happened to you. My my mom, my mom, you know, she she was a super mom. And uh, moms are super mom. Even when mom gets sick, there's a worry that goes through the house. Because, like, what do we do when mom's sick? I don't know. She's still trying to take care of everybody. And you're you're like, do I take care of you? But I'm too selfish to take care of you because you're mom. I need you to take care of me. My mom, man, she she was an awesome mom. And... Uh, you know, one thing she would always tell me, you know, you put the Band-Aid on, there's a moment that you got to take the Band-Aid off. Yeah. And we, we like putting the Band-Aid on because it protects, uh, but I don't like taking it off because it hurts. And, and, and there's this moment that if you catch the hair in there, you, you have to do it fast. And many times because the pain to really get healed there's going to be some, a moment of pain to get healed because we have to admit we're still sick. There, you know, sometimes people don't want to come to church because we have to actually look at ourselves in the mirror of the Word of God, and it's felt good to forget what's actually there. And this is actually why people not only don't come to church, but they like to church hop. Because as soon as the mirror gets clean and, and real and you start seeing who you really are, And then you go, oh, people are going to see who I really am because these are real relationships. I can't fake it anymore. I can't pretend like I'm whole because now they're noticing these are band-aids over past wounds from my 10 past relationships. And 
Oh, you're realizing now it wasn't my pastor that was so jacked alone. It was also me. Oh, yeah, it was kind of my flakiness. Uh, there was a little truth to what he saw in me. And many times we want the Band-Aid on because it feels good. But to take the Band-Aid off, huh? now this is going to get real. Because I don't even know what's under there anymore. I don't know what's even happened to the wound. I mean, I've, I haven't seen it, and so I felt it, but I haven't seen it. The Band-Aid is flesh-colored, so it looks like me. If, you're, if I move quick enough, you, you won't really see what's underneath. And we've protected ourselves so long uh, that, that we forgot what it is like to live unprotected by things and protected by God. We forgot what it's like to really have freedom. The, the Israelites had dealt with fear so long because they, 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 had prepared, they had prepared homes in places that were not normally homes. They had prepared shelters. A, a shelter is not a home. We, can, we have shelters right up the street. People come and they, 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 they take a moment to go in the shelter, but th their hope is not that they live in the shelter for the rest of their life. Their, their hope is that the shelter gets them through the midnight so they can get to the daylight. Their real dream is to get into a home. doesn't have to be a big home. doesn't have to be, a, but somewhere that, that is beyond the shelter. See, this is what I believe church that we have been living with this so long that we have made shelters our homes. They had prepared homes in the mountain and the clefts and in the shelters. They were, they were fortified homes. See, look, God doesn't want you to always have to live in a place of fear and anxiety. In a place, This is what most of the body of Christ is, is doing is they live in a place of war. They, 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 they are still in war in their head, uh, war with everything, war, and they're, they're on the defense all the time. They're, they're always on the defense. You, you, try to, you try to say something nice to somebody, and all of a sudden you, you, said, you said everything nice, but this one thing you said, I am offended by that one thing you said, and, and, and people, people want to judge you. <laughs> Have you ever noticed this? People, people like to uh, judge themselves by their intentions, but judge you by what they thought your actions were. We, we judge everybody else by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Have you ever heard someone say, I didn't intend for that to be that way? But, but, but what if we started judging others by their intentions, not by their actions? But, but we can't because everyone's against me. I'm, I'm hiding in this shelter, and, and anybody that comes to the cave is trying to destroy me. Anything. And now we, we mistake friends for foes. We mistake friends for enemies because, because everybody's out to get me. This is all I have left. I'm, and we live this confined, lame, average life when we worship safety. When we look for the path of least resistance. Look, I can't promise you that you're never going to get hurt in life again. 
I can't promise you that you're going to walk out of this room and you're going to float and angels are going to just be so surrounding you that no foul spirits come by you. And I can't promise you that tomorrow you're going to get a raise because you you raised your Bible and said, I believe in Jesus. In fact, what I can promise you is trouble and trials. Just sit down for a second. I don't know if this is the right crowd. Maybe I should talk to these guys back here. I'm not, I'm not sure. Is there any? Can we get a choir up here? I need. I can't promise you that, but I can promise you that God put a warrior inside you, and you weren't meant to stay in this cave. You weren't meant to stay in this shelter. That in fact, this is your promised land. It was the Israelites' promised land. It was where God had, had got them to through hell and high water, through walls and nations coming against them. They would do things like blow a trumpet and walls would knock down. They, they, they would shout and, and cities would be theirs. They had victories. I'm not saying you haven't had any victories because you've had some victories to get this land. And you weren't the first ones here. You know what people had to fight for to have this kind of freedom for us to worship in this place? Our God, our King. And we proclaim freedom, but we live in safety. And we look for the path of the least resistance. As long as I don't get hurt anymore. As long as maybe I can get to 80 and no one else will hurt me. Maybe I can get to 90 and I'll never have to deal with fear again. And here's what happens. We put safety on the throne. And if you put safety on the throne, guess who you've removed? The call of God is not the safest path. It's the only path. The worship of safety emasculates greatness. You are called to be great. You are called to change the world. I'm not asking if you have talent. I'm not asking if you have ability. Do you have Jesus? Because if you have Jesus, there is nothing that can stand in front of you. There is nothing that can destroy the call of God on your life. Because where he calls, he provides. Where he calls, he protects. And where he protects, nothing can stop you. As long as he's on the throne, everything else is dethroned. God said, fear me. In, in, in other words, give me reverence and fear nothing else. How do you be fearless? You receive the perfect love of Jesus. And you realize that that love brings awe. It's brought so much awe to me because I, I should be in the cave. I should be wounded all over. And I should be mad at myself for wounding others. I'm the one who for seven years went the wrong way and God is allowing fear to camp on my soil, but he is the God of the second chance. He's the God of the second chance and he's here today and he says today, if you will receive my love, it will shock you. How can his love make you in awe if you have to fix yourself up to receive it? Many people, they want to get all perfect for God, get all cleaned up like like you're going on your first date, shave and shave off this anger, shave off this anxiety, get this worry out. And then one day I'll approach God. I can worship him when I, when I get there because then he'll accept me. Now this God's already accepted you. 
you're accepted and beloved. The Bible says while we were still sinners. Think of your worst sin you ever did. If, if you have levels or whatever you think, the worst thought you ever thought. I mean, I thought this guy cut me off in traffic. One thing, and I, I, one time I thought of bumper car ramming him off a bridge. I'm just being honest. I thought of it. I'm sure he has a family. I mean, I really thought I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this guy out. I, now, don't look at me like that because I know some of y'all. I've seen you on the road. Right? I've thought of ending my own life before. In fact, in college, I tried to do it. What kind of thought is that? God's saying, Jeremy, in that moment, that moment, I love you. That moment, you're my child. That's the moment you needed me when nothing else will do. When not only your thoughts could earn you your way there. Many, many times, we, 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 wanna, we want God to judge us in our best thoughts. But he judged Jesus in your worst thoughts. That's why he sent him to the cross. This is not a religion. Because religion is not that bad. Religion is dead. Religion is monumental. It's about the past. Thank God for the past. Thank God for the history. Thank God for the movements that came. But God is not a monument. He's a moving God. He's a live God. He's a real God. And he's here right now. And he loves you right now. And this is a hospital with an emergency room. That's why we put a cross on it so you don't get confused. Every hospital has a red cross sitting out there. Not the green one. Don't get confused. You know what the green one's about. This is a red cross out on the side. It's the emergency room. If you're in an emergency, God is in an emergency. You don't even have to wait till in line to get in. The more broken you are, the more it cuts you to the front of the line. See, when, you, when I go to the emergency room, I don't pretend like I'm healthy. Why? If, if you want to do that, you can, but you're going to be in there a long time. I'm feeling great. No, I'm like, dude, I'm dying. Like, I got a heart attack. I don't know if it's having a heart attack. I don't, my foot, I have this gangrene on my foot. He's like, that's a scab. No, that's not a scab. I've had that for two years. I'm just making stuff up. I got this earache. I got this. Why? Because I want to get in first. This is what we many times we go, do with God is like, oh, yeah, I, I just, you know, what's, what's going on in your life? Oh, you know, not a big deal. It's just, you know, it's not a big deal. And he's like, okay, cool. Uh, what's going on with you? Right? But if you're going to come to God, come to him with all of it. Just, you got to make some extra stuff up. Hey, if you want to take care of this too. And we, we feel guilty like, oh, man, well, God's not a genie in the bottle. No, he's not. He's a dad. He's a father. Fathers care more than you care. I care about my daughter more than she cares about herself. And he loves you today. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? That's all we got time for today. Come back next week if you want the rest. I have 20 more pages. That was, that actually wasn't in the notes. You pulled that out of me. I want you to grab hands with your neighbor. We don't believe that the God we serve comes to make bad people good. I mean, I, I haven't, I'm not good. I'm trying to be. Still uh, get mad at Priuses when they cut me off in traffic and still getting fights. With me and my wife fight sometimes. Yeah, I leave my socks in the wrong place. You know, I, I'm not the best perfect pastor. I try to always love people, but sometimes I miss it. 
So, so I'm not trying to be good. I'm not up here because I'm good. I'm like, look how good I am. God made me alive. It's just, one, it's just either you're dead or you're alive. At 18 years old, I had been to church my whole life. I mean, I grew up under what we called pews, literally. I, I, pews are incredible for playing tag when you're a little kid. I, I was great at it. My mom was in the worship team. She had a sweet 90s perm. If you don't believe me, go look at my Instagram. I just put up a picture yesterday. I had a perm. Amen. Praise God. We were the Pentecostal family. I mean, that's how I grew up. But I didn't believe it because it wasn't real to me. And at 18 years old, where one of my best friends had committed suicide on a railroad track in the backside of a small town in Northern California, God met me. And I had all kinds of wounds all over my life. In fact, I wasn't wounded. I was dead, man. And he said, Jeremy, I love you. I could hear him as clear as day as you hear him right now. You could feel it in your heart what I'm saying. It's not just because I'm a good speaker. God is, he's calling you right now. Don't live one more day dead in the shelter that you've prepared to protect yourself. That shelter has become a tomb. God is calling people out of the tomb today. He's saying, look, I'll protect you in the midst of fear. I'll protect you in the midst of insecurity. I'll protect you in the midst of everyone hating on you and all these relationships that are trying to, I will protect you in the middle of it. But you got to trust me to come out of this dead place into a new place. And at 18 years old, I prayed a prayer that we're going to pray in a minute. And I'm telling you what, guys, my whole life, no one was even there, just me. I wasn't in church. There was no band. There was no cool piano playing, no speaker crying there was no cool story i'm in the middle of the middle of the country next to a railroad track where my friend just died two weeks earlier and i encounter god and he brought this dead person to life and that life has brought me all the way here to you today it's crazy taking me all over the world why because once you're alive you want to tell people about it it's called the good news today is the good news if you feel dead on the inside the God that I serve, He doesn't have life, He is life. He doesn't have love, He is love. He doesn't have power, He is power. And when you invite Him into your life, that becomes the new life that I'm talking about. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're in this room under the sound of my voice and you're tired of being dead, you're tired of feeling dead, you want to have that encounter like I had at 18 years old. Today is your day. You're tired of hiding in tombs. You're tired of making shelters to protect yourself from the world and life and fear and anxiety. You're tired of trying to prove that you're somebody. You're ready to step into real freedom today. On the count of three, I want you to squeeze your neighbor's hand. Ready? One, two, three. I'm not asking if you've been to church. Not asking if your grandma went to church. Not asking if you've worshipped before. I'm asking today. Simple question. Are you dead or alive? And if you're dead and you're tired of it, just squeeze your neighbor's hand. Ready? One, two, three. If your neighbor squeezed your hand like a coach lifts the hand of a champion boxer or a champion athlete, on the count of three, I want you to lift that friend's hand. Ready? One, two, three. 
three. Come on, hands are going up all over this room. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.